GM everybody, welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the Flywheel. And this time we go to the governance part of the Flywheel. We had on Frax core team member John Walsh to uh, talk about the latest and greatest in Frax governance. Uh, Kit, final thoughts on this episode. Dude, my favorite things are when the Frax core team comes on and talk about it. Like, yeah, any yeah, new that, product, any, that's just my favorite. Like, you know, we, yeah. we we get to vibe and we finally help them communicate that message to I know. the Frax community. We are the Frax media network. We are the Frax yeah. podcast. And so, yeah, like, it's so. nice to, to, like, have them on when the time's appropriate. And this is definitely an appropriate time. Real exciting stuff that they're doing. And if you want to keep up with all the exciting stuff that Frax is doing and what we're doing at Flywheel, make sure you hit that bell button. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at FlybodeFi. Join us on Telegram at FlybodeFi. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. I'm at 0x capital underscore K. And we'll see you um, on the flywheel and harnessing that power of the flywheel. So <laughs> this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> go, 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 go. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of Flywheel. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here with Capital K. And today, we have on a truly, truly special episode because we have a Frax Core team member on. We have the latest and greatest to join Frax, John Walsh. Uh, John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, John was brought on a few months ago. We actually met back at ETH Denver uh, when you first joined the Frax team. And back then, uh, they brought you on to work on FraxGov. Um, and so, you know, Frax, it's interesting because for so long, this has been a, like a touch point for, you know, critics of Frax saying like, oh, they're multi-sigs, oh, this and that, which are all actually valid criticisms. I want to like get that mm -hmm. out of the way. It's like, and, and they're quite healthy for Frax because it pushes Frax to decentralize further, which is like ultimately the end goal of this overall. And so then, John, they brought you on and you have been uh, grinding on governance uh, ever since. So um, yeah, let's get right into it. Um, so I want to like see if I can pull up the graphic that we have. All right, can everybody see that? Yeah, we, we got yep. that. We got. It. All right. So my first question for you, John, is what is FraxGov, and how does the system you know uniquely fit the needs of Frax as a protocol? Sure. Um, I'll dive just a little bit into. I guess, uh, to put it shortly, lore, uh, to give some context. <laughs> so um, our stable coins are fully permissionless, open and decentralized, and always have been, always will be. Um, but as you brought up before, kind of the main problem um, was that there was this core trust model for, the, for Frax in general as a protocol. Um, and that was that we had to assume that the multi-sigs are not malicious. Um, in other words, the, the safes aren't, the Gnosis safes aren't compromised in some way. Um, some ways that they could be compromised is, you know, a team member going rogue or a nation state forcing us to execute certain actions. Um, so the whole point of FraxGov existing is to completely remove that 
um, multi-sig wallet signer trust assumption. Um, and we do that by giving VEFXS holders the, uh, the ultimate say in uh, what happens on chain. Okay, um, I want to repeat that point. So the whole point of Fraskov is to get rid of the multi-sig trust assumption. Right. Okay, that's very important. So, okay, continue. Cool. Um, so what I also want to highlight is that VEFXS holders uh, can essentially form large coalitions and do whatever they'd like. Um, we have a two governor approach. We have Frax Governor Alpha and Frax Governor Omega. I'll get a little bit more into that later. Um, but essentially, uh, large coalitions of VEFXS holders can basically do whatever they want um, through Frax Governor Alpha um, if the proposal reaches quorum and the vote passes. Um, so they can actually replace all the team members on the multi-sig. Um, and the protocol can essentially be completely run without the Frax team um, after uh, FraxGov goes into effect. Interesting. So like, it's really bringing some teeth to a VEFXS beyond just like, oh, snapshot, which is like, you know, has a trust assumption of the team. But with FraxGov, you know, all the chain becomes like the final arbiter of truth. Like everything happens on chain. Like it's set in stone. It's set in stone, etched into the chain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so once we roll out FraxGov, Frax will be fully permissionless, trustless, and decentralized. Um, you want me to hop into kind of the, yeah. the differences between Alpha and Omega? Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, let's just like walk us through the process of, you know, a proposal going through FraxGov. How does it work? And what are the main differences between Alpha and Omega? Sure. Um, so this is a little small, so I'm going to pull it up uh, in another window. Here we go. Yeah, so basically, uh, I'll do a quick walkthrough of this swim lane diagram. Um, this is relatively high level, but kind of hits on all the key points. Um, so essentially, you know, we're at start. Uh, we determine whether this is a new initiative or not. Um, if it's not a new initiative, then uh, the Frax team will just go and create a Gnosis Safe transaction um, using the UI, which that's our multi-sig wallet that we use. Um, and currently our safes, uh, require three signatures, um, out of five total owners. Okay. Um, once we add Omega, Omega is actually an owner on the safe. Um, mm -hmm. so we will increase that threshold to four out of six with Omega being a signer, but we want three of the, um, you know, team member owners to sign. And once they do that, um, then that Gnosis safe transaction gets put into Frax governor Omega to be voted on. Okay. Then there's, you know, a voting period. Um, if the proposal passes, uh, then Omega essentially, uh, as a signer on the safe approves the hash and then of the transaction, and then it can be executed by the Frax team. Um, these proposals are actually optimistic, which means that, um, for Frax governor Omega, all the proposals, uh, succeed by default, unless they are vetoed. Um, and that's mm -hmm. where the VEFXS holders can come in and say, no, we don't like this. We don't want the Frax team to do this. And so this would be like for like AMO actions, I presume? Yeah, pretty much anything that doesn't touch um, uh, kind of administration of the safe. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, who's the owners, who, how many signers do we need, that sort of stuff. And then um, Omega also cannot change any governance parameters. All that stuff has to be done through Alpha. Okay, got it. So if the, and, and then question. go ahead. 
Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but you said four out of six. So theoretically, if you know Frax, four of Frax's core team could just sign it, right? Or is the Omega must be the fourth signature? Omega must be the the four must be one of these signatures. Um, Got it. So the way that that is, in, I, I can get a little technical here, but basically we we wrote a contract that hooks into every Gnosis safe. And any time a transaction goes to get executed, it enforces that Omega signed. And Omega, Omega can only sign through these governance proposals. Okay. And so I guess let's go back a bit. Like Omega is optimistic and in, it will say yes unless vetoed otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. And so how long will it take for, does, how long does it take for Omega to say yes? And like, how long is that period of veto? So the voting period for Omega is two days. Okay, um, two days. And the quorum is 4% of the total VEFXS weight at that time of uh, when voting starts. Okay. Got it. Okay. So let's, let's finish up this, uh, this process here. So now we're like, sure. okay, Omega. Okay. Did you have any other questions there? Um, just the fact that how did you guys come up with, with the, the 4% and it's, if nobody comes in and veto, it just goes through, right? Even if the quorum is not met. Exactly. If the quorum is not met, it goes through. Um, okay, so you need four, you need 4% or more of people to vote and veto, um, for it to not go through. Got it. Okay. So then Omega passes. Now we go to Omega execute approved hash and then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Then, so the the executed proof hash is just Omega saying yes, I approve of this underlying Gnosis safe transaction, and then anyone on the Frax team can execute it. Okay, and then Frax, and then it ends. Okay. Yep. Sweet. Those so that's like, like the the happy path. Frax is doing some normal thing flow, mm -hmm. right? Some AMO operation, selling something, you know, something simple. Okay. Um, so I guess like my question is like. So it takes two days for like an action to pass through Omega. So like, I guess like the Frax team has accepted that delay um, for decisions from now on. Cause like before it was just like mostly saying like, that's like, you know, we got to make an adjust adjustment. Like, oh shit, we got to like pull out of this bridge. This yeah. and that. So like the Frax <laughs> team feels comfortable with this two day delay right now. That's a, that's a great point that you brought up actually. Um, so one thing that we, a unique spin that we put on to, mm -hmm. uh, on, on the base level, um, Omega and Alpha are both leveraging, uh, open Zeppelin's governor contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of this code is reused, um, super battle tested, like the most popular way to run on chain governance. Um, one little extension that we added is actually if 51% of the outstanding VEFXS weight votes for or against something on Omega, then it immediately either succeeds or fails. So uh, if we had some, you know, emergency. horrible, horrible scenario where we needed to do something today, we could potentially rally enough people to come and overwhelmingly push a yes. So hit that 51% and then we can execute immediately. Okay. And so like, that's like your like emergency hatch basically mm -hmm. like, Oh, we got to execute. Okay. Okay. Interesting. That kind of reminds me of a uh, backup. Well, this isn't like an emergency situation, of, but like it's a situation where the, you know, I feel like people in the community were rallied and like a lot of people in the community rallied to vote for Kyber swap 
to get gauges because um, convicts voted not to approve them of gauges. And like they have like a bunch of votes, obviously. And so the community was like rallied to uh, actually overcome that. And at the end of the day, they did overcome it. So like there is a precedent for like the FRAX community for rallying for things. And especially if there's like a dire emergency situation, like I, I think everybody would be rallied in the chat like right away. You know? Yeah, you you could imagine uh, another like like another USTD peg type situation that yeah. would probably be able to rally a lot of people pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually quite. I think there's like, also yeah, go ahead, Kit. Kit. Um, I was going to say that there's also the the delegation element, right? Like, mm-hmm. even though the community may not rally, they may have already delegated to folks who are already super rallied, and they're just looking at this all the time, anyways. So I, I think that was a very clever way of um, having that in case of emergency break glass button for us. And the, the way that the delegation system really, really supports that in, just in, in case of emergencies. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're definitely going to strongly recommend our passive uh, VEFXS holders that don't want to vote um, to delegate to people who do. And so I'm... One thing I want to get into is like, have you guys developed like a UI for this and for like, you know, everyday VE, for everyday VE FXS holders that like, they want to vote like no on an Omega proposal and they want to delegate their votes. Like that's all coming out with like when you guys officially release. Yeah, it's in progress right now. I actually just saw a demo of it earlier today. Oh, you saw a demo. Ooh. Oh, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I, I'm so like pr- impressed and proud that Frax is at like this point where like it has to create like something like uh, FraxGov because I feel like a lot of times like either protocols don't decentralize or they decentralize too early and it fucks them over. And, yeah. uh, you know, and that's what we saw what happened with Bean. Uh, that's what, you know, what happened with them in a way that well, Compound, it wasn't as like dire there what happened with them, but it was still like a governance. And also like recently tornado cash, like you're seeing like, right, right. Gov- you're seeing governance attacks being more and more of like a common attack vector. Um, and so I guess like, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, dude, <laughs> we've talked so much about every kind of governance <laughs> attack you could ever have. I'll, I'll, I'll rattle off a couple of them. Yeah. Um, some of the ones that I find a bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, like we've mitigated a lot of them. So the it's interesting that you brought up the economic attacks. Like uh, a lot of those economic attacks happen through uh, flash loan attacks, mm, um, either yeah. flash loan attacks. So you can just, you know, borrow it and then vote and then return it and then pay a really small fee in the same transaction. So you actually have no, there's no risk there, right? Because you don't have to actually hold it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas... Uh, with VEFXS, right, you have to lock up your FXS to get voting weight. So it, it kind of is a natural deterrent and kind of like renders it impossible to do a flash loan attack. Because if you did do a flash loan, um, you would have to pay it back with some other capital in the same transaction. And you kind of now have aligned incentives with FXS, right? If you lock up a ton of FXS <laughs> to, like, we to got VFXS, you. We got you. Yeah. 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 And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to doom spiral this project anymore. Cause I just spent millions of dollars to acquire their token. Um, it's, it's a similar argument to like the proof of stake argument, right? Where it's like, yeah, someone could acquire 
a huge amount of ether and then start a bunch of validators and then try to wreak havoc on the network, but they're burning billions of dollars to do that. Um, so billions, it, yeah, it makes it a lot, it makes it a lot more difficult. Um, yeah. another thing that we did was, um, so we decided to make quorum, uh, a percentage of the outstanding VEFXS supply instead of being some static amount. Um, and that percentage can be tweaked through governance parameters. Um, but we, so for Omega, when you put a proposal on chain, it's just immediately, uh, like a minute later, it can be voted on. Um, and that's, we did that because it has limited power. Um, but for Alpha that has full power, uh, we actually made the voting delay two days. So once you put an Alpha proposal on chain, uh, VEF access holders have two days to either you know, lock more FXS, extend their VEFXS lock, or delegate to someone else before voting even starts. Mm, that's and actually that good. Way, yeah, go, oh, finish your point. Sorry. I was just going to say, in that way, like, we have, uh, we don't have to worry about the tiger lurking in the grass, like, piling up a certain percentage of VEFXS supply, <laughs> and then proposing something, and then it's like, oh, shit, we're screwed. Yeah. Let's actually uh, walk through an alpha proposal. Um, so let's start. Sure. We're here. New initiative. Yes. Discussed in the Frax forums. Sweet. It's in the snapshot proposal. Uh, and let's say it passes. Great. Sure. Now, like, instead of it just like, you know, waiting for the team to like go execute the will of the people. Now the will of the people is expressed on, it's going to be expressed on chain. So after the snapshot vote passes, so you said the first part, what happens like VE FXS holders, they have like two days to like, basically prepare like whether they want to like delegate lock more etc and then what's going on with the frax team so do, what does the frax team do here at the snapshot pro vote passes yeah so this is just to show that the system is flexible right so mm -hmm. when the snapshot vote passes either if it's something that is within the power of omega then the frax team can uh you know go create the transaction put it through omega do all that if it's not then um the frax team because you know we are also vefxs holders or some other VEFX holder um, can go and call propo propose on uh, Frax Governor Alpha, um, and you know you can do that without discussion. Also, we encourage the discussion. We would like the discussion, but it is technically possible to do it without any discussion. Anybody can propose on V on Frax Governor Alpha. Yeah, you need a certain amount of VEFXS voting weight to be how, eligible to propose. How much? We're still working out exactly how much it's going to be, but it's going to be sufficiently high. So it's going to be hard for right. you know people to spam proposals. What do you what? How high do you think the threshold is going to be? Do you have like a percentage? Is it going to be like percentage? Is it going to be like, I guess like I guess what are you basing off that percentage of? Or is it still in discussion? It's still in discussion. It's it's okay. going to be a flat amount because that's just how governor works. Um, okay, just how governor but, uh, works. Okay, yeah, okay. It, it'll be it'll be relatively high. <laughs> So in theory, like, could could you just like, if I'm like a rogue VE FXS holder, and I want to like put something to alpha, can I just like bypass snapshot and just like put something on Frax Governor Alpha? Yeah, you need, but you need again, you need you need enough to uh, surpass a proposal proposal threshold, but then you also need to make sure that that uh, proposal hits quorum and then also passes. So, uh, and that goes to the next part. Yeah, there's okay. many, there's many right. levels. So of let's, checks and yeah. balances. Okay, so let's let's go down the kosher route. So mm -hmm. let's say snapshot vote. You know, add like this new gauge. It passes. 
Um, now, uh, somebody with like the threshold can like propose the defrax governor alpha. Now we're here in the on-chain proposal phase. What next? Right. So that proposal fires, then it sits on chain for two days. So everybody mm -hmm. starts delegating, they buy more FXS, they lock it, they extend their locks, whatever they want to get more FXS, uh, via FXS voting power. Then there is four days to vote, which is that, uh, white, uh, diamond, mm -hmm. uh, we, we see if it passes or not. If it doesn't pass, that's it. Um, if it mm -hmm. passes, then uh, as soon as it passes, someone can queue it. And then a day later, after it's been queued, it can be executed. And, okay. Um, that's actually quite straightforward and, and simple. It's almost. much simpler than the Omega Flow, yeah. It's, it's honestly, this whole chart is much simpler when oh. you have it like laid out and like explained. Yeah. Um, um, I, quick, quick question, uh, mm -hmm. um, just to clarify about the, it says two days and then four days. So in total, it will take six days for a transaction to go through. So uh, voting delay is two days, then voting period is four days, and then the queue is one day. So um, seven okay. days, ideally. Um, it, it can sometimes be a little longer based on another attack that can happen that I can talk about later. Um, what kind of we, attack? Sure. Um, so base, this, is, uh, this is also something that OpenZeppelin developed uh, for Governor that we plugged in. Um, what you could imagine is that there's some whale, like we're right at the end of the voting period, right? There's a second left, a minute left, like a super small amount of time that no one's going to be able to react. It hasn't met quorum yet. No one thinks it's going to meet quorum. Then all of a sudden at the last second, some guy pops in with 15% outstanding VEFXS voting weight, pushes it over into quorum, and then it succeeds. So in that scenario, um, when something gets pushed into over uh, the quorum in like kind of the final hour, then we're going to add another two days to the voting period to make sure oh. that like the community has time to respond because it's like, oh, this wasn't wasn't even going to hit quorum. And now, oh, it's hitting quorum and it's going to pass. OK, we need to reject this. Got it. Got it. So that's and, and when you said that last minute or second, that is in the two day delay block. That's when it has two days to meet quorum and you waited or, you know, it waited until that last second. That's when it gets extended. It. If if they if another quorum two gets hit, okay. yeah. So basically, in in uh, in summary, there will always be at least two days to vote after quorum is hit. Got it. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of conditionals. <laughs> okay, so and, and then is there? Yeah. Uh, sorry, dude, last question about this because um, are, are there circuit breakers for this just as there are for Omega? Uh, what do you mean by circuit breakers? Like in case of emergency Sorry, break favorite. glass. Oh yes, <laughs> awesome. Um, we, lo yeah. we love guest appearances. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so is there like you know like oh we need to change a very big governance parameters because something had happened. Um, is there is there a way to kind of bypass uh, all of the uh, quorum and stuff like how we hit fifty one percent for a governor Omega and it just kind of goes through. Yeah, so Alpha has that functionality, but we're going to be deploying it uh, where it will effectively never happen um, because the way that it works is that, um, remember I said 51%, so that's configurable. That's a governance parameter. You can change that if you want, um, right. but on Alpha, it's going to be 100%. So 
So we would have to pass oh. a proposal on alpha to drop it back down to something reasonable. But we we kind of don't want to use that with alpha because it's it should be reserved for like very large things. Nuclear, and, yeah. Yeah, and those things should take time. Got it. Interesting. Um, I was, what was I going to say? Oh, so like, let's say like the worst case scenario happens and like everything like gets passed. And now we're like at that like one day queue and like some like, you know, we're in like a compound situation. It's just like, you know, one and then you have like one day to react. Like, is there any like last minute precautions that like can be done to like, you know, let's say to like remedy the situation? Not really. Uh, so uh, the last day, we have that last day in there. We have that time lock in there um, for a specific attack. That, or I, you, you might not even call it an attack, but um, basically it's when a majority of VEFX holders uh, collude to like shut down fracks. They want to drain the treasury. They want to drain all the stability mechanisms and they want to return those assets to FXS holders. So that's kind of what the time lock delay is for. Um, we, we're going to give fracks users a day to exit um, any positions they might have in Frax assets before all of this comes to fruition. Otherwise, it would just be able to happen immediately. So that's what the time lock is for. So technically, yeah. if if VFXS holders want to do that, they can. So uh, that's what that's what we mean when we say that like this is actually decentralized now. There's no like final, you know, secret <laughs> gun yeah. we have. Like, <laughs> there's nothing that you guys can do to like save the protocol at this point. It's just like. When, it, when it's it's so over at this point, there's no there's nowhere but backy. There's nowhere backy yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, there's no control. Yeah, no, I like it's really. Inter I feel like with governance, especially stuff like this, I naturally just think of and Kit, you too, or just think of like worst case scenarios of like, oh, what if this happens yeah. and that happens and that happens. Um, and so like I, so how long have you? So you must be doing the same thing as well. And like, how what is the process of going through this like brainstorming process and like. Have you, is it interesting when you like discover new things along the way? Like, have you learned oh, a lot definitely. of new things along the way? Oh, uh, dude, I oh, learned so much. They, they, they. Oh, you're muted. You're um, muted. Uh, I'm muted. Am I muted? Oh, I got it. Okay. Sorry. No, no. I, I was going to say, uh, but before we jump into the, the, the brainstorming process, come up with this, could you walk us through quickly what a proposal that fails look like? One for alpha, one for omega? Sure. Um, so let's get to the part. So let's do omega first. Um, mm -hmm. let's jump to the on-chain proposal lane where it says three safe owner signatures. Yep. So it's possible you. that one Frax team member says, Hey, we should do this. And then it doesn't get three signatures. Um, so that's one kind of like failure case. And in that case, uh, basically I, I need to get a little technical here. Um, so the way that Frag, the way that, uh, Gnosis safe works is that if you have a transaction, let's say you have transaction A and you don't want to execute transaction A anymore, what you actually do is you execute a zero ether transfer uh, with the same nonce, um, which effectively cancels it out. It's like, because right. the way that the uh, Gnosis safe works is an ever-increasing nonce, right? So we have transaction A with nonce zero. Uh, now we don't want to do transaction A anymore. Now it's actually the zero ether transfer for nonce zero. Then that gets executed, it increments the nonce. Um, so all the failure cases for Omega are that, um, Omega basically approves, um, a Gnosis safe transaction. That's a zero ether transfer. 
then the team can go in, they can sign that zero ether transfer, and then they can execute it. So that's both flows. That's whether it gets into Frax governance, Omega, and gets rejected, or if the team doesn't get enough signatures, or they decide at some point that they're like, hey, we don't actually want to do this proposal. Um, we messed it up. Let's abort this one, put in a new one. And then for the failure, any questions on that before I jump into Omega for the failure case? I mean, Alpha. Or Alpha, yeah. <laughs> cool. Nope. Alpha is super simple. If the proposal fails, that's it. <laughs> it's <Love> over. That. <laughs> that's it. It's just the proposal's in like a failed state and you can't do anything with it. You can propose, you can propose, propose it again with a different description, but that's it. Love the simplicity. Yeah. I'm sure uh, the brain's, yeah, go ahead. Alpha is basically just as close to a vanilla open Zeppelin uh, governor contract as we could get. Mm. And let's, let's get to the brainstorming uh, question. Um, thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. So the Frax team, the way we work is like really iterative. So a lot of this kind of came to fruition as it was being built. Um, a lot of these attacks we kind of thought of on the fly. Um, so yeah, it's a very iterative process, just learning a ton along the way and um, learning a lot from kind of the people who messed up before us. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the case, you know. Um, in terms of like developing FraxGov, um, how much of it, of it, so you guys use open Zeppelin contracts a lot, like how much of it is like open Zeppelin contracts and how much of it is like new, like contracts that you just like, create originally in yourselves or is it more just like you're mixing and matching open zeppelin contracts like how does it work so basically alpha is almost entirely that i would mm -hmm. say 90 plus percent of the code is mixing and matching open zeppelin governor plus open zeppelin governor extensions mm -hmm. um and then uh i want to give a shout out to scopelift they built um an extension for governor called uh governor counting fractional which allows you to vote fractionally. So let's say you have 100 mm. voting power, you can vote 34, 30 against, 40 abstain. Um, so they built that out, which was great. We were using that as well. Scopelift? Um, yeah. Uh, who are they? Are they? They're just like a general crypto dev shop firm. Nice. Shout I'm out to pretty, Scopelift. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're, uh, I'm pretty sure Governor Counting Fractional is going to be um, adopted officially as like an open Zeppelin governor uh, extension soon. I don't know the timeline for that though. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're great. Working with them is great. All right, get off screen. Yeah. And then with, with alpha, pretty, there were just kind of some smaller things that I added. Um, it's almost entirely um, open Zeppelin code. Uh, Omega is similar, but uh, kind of the special logic about integrating with the safes and only, um, you know, transactions can only be added after a certain amount of um, signatures are gathered, like all of that we had to write. So Omega is more homegrown, whereas Alpha is almost entirely um, mixing and matching existing contracts. Mm, got it. Fact, yeah, like, honestly, like shout out Open Zeppelin for being the foundation of crypto and Web3. Absolutely. Like, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of times, like, people on that are messing around on chain they don't realize what's going on you know in the piping and below in the infrastructure and open zeppelin like 
really holds a lot of that up. And like the fact that the Vrax team, like, you know, not, I mean, like, not, what you say, 90, almost like 100%, close to 100% of like these contracts are like open Zeppelin. They're just like little bits of like tinkering here and there. It's like, you know, pretty incredible. Yeah, I'd say like 90% of Alpha and probably 70% of Omega. Yeah. Um, is there other governance um, systems that you looked at when constructing uh, FraxGov? Like maybe like, I don't know, like urine, synthetics, like have you like just studied like every DeFi governance and like, are there some things that you like and don't like from each one? Like, is there one that like impresses you? Like, oh, they do something really cool. Not really. Not really? <laughs> I feel like on-chain wow. governance is honestly kind of under um, underexplored. I think mm. a lot of people are just kind of like, cool, deploy governor and call it a day. <laughs> so in, in a lot of ways, um, to my knowledge, no one has ever done uh, governor integrations with uh, Gnosis safes like we have. Um, mm. And that's kind of where all the complexity in the system came from is kind of all of these complex integrations, right? It's like, how do we integrate with the VEFXS contract in a way that's gas efficient? How do we uh, plug into the safes in a way that works with the safe UI, but then also like works permissionlessly on chain where we, where we don't have ultimate power. Um, so a lot of it kind of came down to just really like fleshing out what the ultimate best system for us was going to be. That's unique for Frax. Uh, what's really interesting. You just said governance is underexplored. Can you go into that more? Do you feel like it's funny? Cause oh, we, yeah. we talk about, especially now, like the beating drum is like Lido or like, it's like too much of a, too big of a force. Like we need to decentralize more. We need to decentralize, decentralize, decentralize this and that. It's a lot of virtue signaling, but when it comes, <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to, uh, you know, governance, which is like arguably one of the most important parts of this whole decentralization, you know, world that, you know, we're try all trying to go towards allegedly, um, you don't really hear a lot and you, you have statements like yours where it's underexplored. So can we go into that more? Yeah. Like, um, the feature I was just talking about the fractional voting, it's mm -hmm. amazing to me that that's something that's new. Yeah, me like, too. Like I, you I, could, you would imagine that any smart contract, like let's say you have a smart contract that aggregates, aggregates a token. And that token has some voting power and like users deposit that token. You should allow your users to so you should either fractionally vote the entire weight based on what your users want, or you should allow your users to partially vote based on their stake that they have in that smart contract. Like this is just stuff we're talking about now. Like this is, this is bleeding edge, like governance stuff. And this is yeah. stuff that if you ask me should have been around for years. I thought that the governor opens up in contracts would be integrating into Gnosis safe already. I'm surprised that Frax is the first ones to do right. that. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of an interesting design, uh, kind of with this two, um, governor kind of system. Um, yeah. <laughs> Santo is very, uh, Santo. That's his name. Yeah. He really oh, likes the camera. Name. Whenever I get on a call, he's just like, I got to stand right. At but yeah, so the interesting thing about Alpha is that the reason that Alpha has full control over every Gnosis safe is because uh, Gnosis safe has this uh, feature called modules. And basically, if you register something as a module, um, it can do whatever it wants to the safe. Kind of like Sanso. He just kind of yeah, does whatever he wants. wants. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's Governor Santos right there. Yeah, Governor yeah. Sanso is in the upgrade. <laughs> 
Um, oh. And then with Omega, uh, you know, we made a designer, um, and then we had to create. Uh, Nosa Safe has this feature called uh, guards, right? And mm -hmm. they're they're just a you just specify an address, and then that address should have a couple functions that get called mm -hmm. during execution, and that's how we stop. Um, the Frax team from doing whatever they want with the safes because they need the signature from Omega. And to my knowledge, no one has ever done anything like this before. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems so like rudimentary. Like it seems like such a core primitive, like governance primitive. Like, do you guys ever think about kind of open sourcing FraxGub after obviously it, it runs a little bit and, and you kind of get a little testing production already. bit. It's open source. Oh, it's already out, out there. Yeah, the People can just use yeah. it. Wow, mm -hmm. so someone can effectively front run Frax and just do FraxGov before Frax and just yeah. I, I hope you know, I hope people I hope people uh, fork the contracts and and find it uh, find this it valuable. Is, talk about truly uh, public good right here. Yeah, I mean the public repo is a little behind the private one, but by the time we actually do the deployment, they will be the exact same. Wow, I'm like thinking like where the hell is DeFi governance currently right now on chain? So a lot of it, so we're kind of, it's kind of interesting because I, I could be getting history wrong, so don't quote me on this, but from what I understand, it was like, we had governor and then people were like, this isn't good enough. And then they kind of went to Gnosis safes and then everyone was like, this isn't decentralized. And FraxGov is kind of like, you're a Nerd. protocol with a ton of Gnosis safes already and you want to decentralize, here's how you do it. Hmm. So it's like natural plugging into, yeah, natural evolution. Exactly. Wow. And yeah, you don't, you never really hear people talk about governance structures because it's not sexy. It's not like people it's are like not. making money. It's not like there's future markets on. It's not Pepe. <laughs> it's not Pepe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not Pepe, but it's funny. But still at the same time, people talk about like decentralization, this decentralization, that yet they don't talk about governance so it's just like yeah and that's the funny thing right like people i don't want to name names but there's all these projects that talk about how decentralized they are and then at the end of the day it rolls up to an msig that can do an infinite mint on <laughs> on whatever the underlying asset is right yeah. like once FraxGov is in place like that's not you can't do that unless everybody wants it. yeah um, yeah so you the have this you have this kind of check and balance on the multi-sig which hasn't really existed before yeah, the the, the, the trust me, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, the trust me, trust you, trust me, bro. Doesn't work anymore. Yeah, trust yeah, me, bro. Consensus is broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, before we move on, I I finally thought of a question about the uh, when a proposal goes no for Omega, mm -hmm. um, like it will send a basically zero ether transaction to kind of cancel. That's simply any cancel and replace transaction that you do yourself when you get a transaction stuck. Same right. Thing. So. Same thing. But my question is that transaction also needs a four out of six transaction or a four out of six signer, mm -hmm. right? So the Frax team still effectively has to sign the, the, this clearing transaction. Exactly. But it's a zero ether transfer. So why wouldn't they? Right. But I'm just assuming if the, the Frax team got, um, uh, uh, you know, $5 wrench attack. Right, all, <laughs> all 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 three of them. So I guess it's a fifteen dollar wrench attack because there's three wrenches involved, <laughs> right? So then, like, what what happens in that situation? Is this just now kind of in this infinite loop of just stucking in this nonce and just governance is kind of bricked? No, it's not bricked, right? Because Alpha can still do whatever Alpha. it wants. 
There you go. Okay, uh, Alpha so, can comes in. Alpha can save the day. Yeah, Alpha doesn't give a shit about the signers. It doesn't care about the Frax guard. Alpha is like, I can do whatever I want to this thing. And so the ultimate like attack on Frax, I mean on Alpha, like you said, is if like the token holders decide to just dissolute Frax and you know just bring the treasure. So that's like the worst case scenario that you guys have thought of, or is there like a more worst case scenario scenario you guys thought of? Yeah, I mean, like, a bunch of people could collude. It's a similar attack. Like, a bunch of EEF access holders collude, and they decide that they want to drain the treasury, or they want to drain all the protocol-owned liquidity, or whatever. Like, it's it's, it's a similar thing. Yeah, then, then it's just so over. <laughs> Literally. Um, but we're still going, so we're back. <laughs> I mean that's that's one of the that's one of the uh I think trade offs, yeah. Yeah, that's a trade off, right? I think that's a risk that every single like decentralized crypto protocol that has liquid tokens out, like that is an attack that any of them are it's possible to do. Yeah. Um I kinda wanna switch gears a bit and talk sure. kind of gen like go, you know, chunk up a bit and beyond got frax governance and talk about Frax, so like you're new to the Frax team. As a recent member that has joined, uh, what's it like working with the Frax core team? We asked this question to Drake when he joined uh, back then. We asked this to um, Jack as well. Uh, what's it like working with the Frax core team? How long have you been part of the team for? And is it like, what's the experience like? Sure, yeah, I joined in uh, February of this year, so really not very long ago. Oh, right at East Denver. Yeah, right before. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was working on FraxGo for like two weeks and then I showed up to, maybe a little longer, but like three weeks and then I showed up to eat Denver uh, with the team, which was cool. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. Like I've basically worked in software my entire career and like many different permutations. Um, but Frax is kind of like a very unique structure that I've never, you know, worked in before. Um, we're like an absurdly small, hardworking, driven and talented team. There's eight of us. Um and like, I think we accomplish a lot with the number of people that we have. Um, oh, yeah. And the amount of knowledge sharing, like we have internal calls twice a week and the amount of knowledge sharing that goes on in those is ridiculously high. Like I'm just learning a ton and then also able to contribute a bit. Um, so every, we kind of grow everybody um, together. Um, one of the things I really like is we have no brilliant, you know, the brilliant assholes. We have none of those. Um, pretty much everyone is willing to be proven wrong as long as there's good evidence and a compelling argument, which is great. Like that's, if you have that, like you, I'm pretty happy. Um, everyone is pretty senior and, and literally everyone is technical. Um, so we're super self, self-sufficient and autonomous, very few meetings. And some of the meetings really feel like you're hanging out with your internet crypto friends. So that's pretty great. Wow. The secret sauce of Frax. Everyone's technical. <laughs> The meetings don't feel like meetings. And I think it's like an engineer's dream. It's just like everybody just goes off, does their thing autonomously, and they come back and like, hey, like this white belt, like come test Shared it out. Shared learnings too. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's a really good environment for people who know what they're doing. <laughs> I feel like to like get to that point, you have to be senior because you have to have kind of like both the experience and like and maturity level to like with that kind of responsibility. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you said you were doing software. How long have you been in like software for? Like before? Uh, seven years total. Seven year? Okay. Yeah. And, and were you doing uh, like anything like finance related, fintech related or no? 
Yeah. So my first job out of school, I, I worked at a major investment bank on the algorithmic trading services team. <clears throat> so we basically helped hedge funds execute their trades like ultra low latency. And then we took a small cut. We were a market maker. Um, I worked at an insured tech startup. Um, but other than that, after that, but other than that, that's uh, all the fintech experience I have. Yeah. What got you got into it. crypto? Um, honestly, so I actually started mining in 2012. I was mining Bitcoin in my dorm room. Uh, oh, a, like Sam. Yeah, because I'm a PC gamer. So I just had like GPUs <laughs> laying around and I was like, cool, I'm going to mine some Bitcoin. Um, and I mined it through like late 2012 through like mid 2013. Mm -hmm. um, but then I wound up selling it all, uh, you know, struggling, broke college student type shit. Um, and type regret that. Yeah, regret, <laughs> regret that to this day. Um, I like played in the same time period. I played around a little bit with like mining Monero and Litecoin and maybe one or two others. Um, and, uh, then I just took like a big break from crypto in its entirety, um, until around, um, I'm a huge gamer, by the way, like that kind of influence, I, like I had a gaming startup, which we can talk about later. Um, mm. but Can't basically interested in that. Yeah. But basically like I got into crypto through like gaming NFTs, because I was like, Counter-Strike Go, the, some of the skins on Counter-Strike Go go for like yeah. $10,000, right? Steam has a monopoly on that marketplace and they take ridiculous cuts. And I'm just like, this would just be better if this was open. And then, right. you know, I started learning about, um, this was when like NFT fever was, you know, really high. And I was like, oh, you could take a loan out against your counter-strike gun skin to go put a down payment on a car or a house like that's kind of when it all like clicked for me it was like oh digital goods that have real life value that aren't just a line in a database like mm -hmm. that's when it kind of all like started gelling and then i just dove super like i read like a ton of white papers and got into crypto twitter and started doing a ton of DeFi. um yeah that was kind of the, the journey wow uh, let's talk about your gaming startup kit. I'm sure you have a question about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Please walk me through. Was it anything related to, to, to using crypto or? Um, no, but it should have been. <laughs> oh, so, okay. Tell me. Do tell. Yeah, so uh, I started working on it uh, with my really close friend in uh, 2019. Um, and we worked on it through the end of 2020. Uh, so peak COVID, right? Um, and basically what it was, was it was a website where you would watch a Twitch stream. And then in real time, you could bet on what you thought was going to happen or not. Um, mm. So like, oh. if you're familiar with like proposition bets, like every, mm -hmm. so we, we did it over Counter-Strike. So every two minutes, it's like counter-terrorists win this round, yes or no. Streamer gets two plus headshot kills this round, yes or no. Um, and we just made up a currency that we called Whip Cash. That was just numbers in our database, but people <laughs> loved it. Like we had a leaderboard and people were getting super competitive. And in retrospect, I kind of wish that I like built this on crypto rails in some way because it probably would have been even more successful. Wait, what happened to the startup? Yeah, we just wound up stop, stopping working on it. It just, dude, if I can say anything about founding companies is that co-founders are hard. It's really hard to, <laughs> to work well with a co-founder. And like this guy was, is, is still to this day, one of my closest friends. Like it's just really difficult. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just tough. Yeah, T totally it makes happens. sense. Yeah, yeah. Now, how 
taking from your experience working at like you know a a, a pretty big investment bank to then like a, a startup and then to having your own startup, like how does all of that compare to working in the Frax team? Like effectively, it's still kind of like a startup with oh, multi billion dollars. Uh, in <laughs> so, so we kind of we kind of have to like. We kind of have to like to to make fun of Facebook's like old motto. Like we kind of have to move fast and not break things at the same time. So it's it's a little bit like it's it's a little bit of like a check and balance, right? It's like yeah. I think two years ago you can kind of move fast and break things in crypto. It's still okay. Uh, now with all you know the TVL that we have, it's like no, we gotta still you move gotta- fast, but we gotta get audits and have really high code quality. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that. Uh, all of the experiences I've, I've had in my career, um, I've done stuff mostly back end, and then for my startups, like I was doing a lot of infrastructure stuff too. Um, so, like I just have a pretty good understanding of systems design, which I think never hurts as a software engineer. So it kind of <laughs> yeah. it kind of yeah. made it easy to just kind of show up to the team and like be a semi knowledgeable person. Um, I also worked as a smart contract auditor um, before I worked at Frax, so. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's also a good perspective to have, like a security. Oh, so Frax, uh, so Frax wasn't a your first foray into crypto professionally. No. Oh, okay. What was the smart contract auditing the the first thing? Yeah, that was the first job I got paid for with dollars to uh, do, <laughs> do crypto adjacent stuff. Yes. Yeah. Now you get like paid in Frax. <laughs> Auditing is really interesting. I feel like you need to be a certain type of person to really love it. Um, I learned, like I was there for probably six, seven months um, and I found some pretty good stuff. Like I found a pretty cool thing um, in a MakerDAO contract um, that got me like a very tiny bit of cred. Um, But it's, if you're the type of person that like you're going to sit at home and take apart a radio and like look at every single knob and every circuit and every wire and think it's fascinating and then want to put it all back together again, uh, then you're probably going to like auditing. If you like building new things, you're not going to like auditing. <laughs> you're not going to like auditing. But auditing is really like it really gave me a good breadth of understanding of like what are some of these design patterns and solidity? Like how do people typically go wrong? Like what is, what does, what is the unique flavor of bad complexity look like on the EVM and solidity? Um, what's bad test coverage? Like a lot of that kind of stuff. Like you learn a lot of like the, the don'ts, uh, but you also learn some of the do's. It's, it's really interesting. Like the, is there a similar design building pattern when it comes to devs building in solidity? Like, oh, this is like the way you're supposed to build. And we see like some dev, like I'm going to do a remix my way. And they do some like funky shit and like it goes off the rails. Um, sometimes they're like, hey, they might have discovered a new path, but that's also more dangerous because it's, you know, the new path. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the reason that we used Open Zeppelin Governor instead of trying to invent our own thing. <laughs> instead of trying to invent our own thing. Like it's like, okay, cool. We have the collective eyes of thousands of people on these contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of trying to roll our own thing and then depend on, you know, just our team and, you know, an audit or two. Yeah. It's really like a case for Lindy. It's like the longer something around, the longer it will be around. But, you know, a case for Lindy also is I always feel I, I, I do not have a uh, technical background. So please educate me here. 
there's this re-entrancy attack that I hear is is very common and that everybody should definitely be avoid that. But yet it kind of just keeps happening. Yeah, so. so there's a bunch of reasons why it keeps <laughs> happening. One is that people keep forking old code um, mm. that has errors and re-entrancy attacks. Uh, um, the other is that, like, um, I'm going to be a little honest here. Um, I think there is, in, like, the world, I think there are a lot of people who are interested in crypto, and I think there are a lot of people who are good software engineers, but there's not a ton of overlap of those two. <laughs> Um, a lot of the software engin- engineers that I know, like I spent a lot of time in the Bay Area. I lived there for about four years when I was working uh, on startups and at startups. Um, a lot of them are very skeptical of crypto for some reason, um, but it's out of like kind of this place of ignorance. Um, mm. And so I think there's also just a lot of not great talent out there in the wild, um, especially with anonymous teams, like you don't know what these people are doing. I'm not trying to like blanket bash on anons, but like that is one of the downsides. It's like, you don't know, like, is this this is this, this person's first piece of code they've ever written? Is like, it just marketing? Yeah, like I've been writing code for 11 years, 12 years. Like, um, and I think uh, especially earlier on um, when there were less people in the space, and a lot of these best practices and a lot of these attacks hadn't been seen before. Like if it's a novel attack that no one's seen before, like I'm not going to give you a hard time, but like if it's an attack that we've seen a thousand times before and you're still repeating it, you just kind of didn't do your homework um, or you didn't get audited or your auditors were terrible. Um, And there's plenty of terrible auditors out there. I can confirm that. (laughs) (laughs) As one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Kate. Oh, I, I just want to kind of to double back on your your time at uh, Frax right now. Last we spoke with Drake, he said that the team is kind of going through a different uh, dynamic where no longer one person leads one thing. Everybody just kind of like works together on pushing all the product suites across the board. So aside from Fraxca, are there other things that you are kind of working on right now? Yeah, so um, I think that's becoming more true every day. Um, I helped, so we're going to be deploying, um, on, we're going to be deploying, I actually don't know how far along this is. It might be deployed already, but, uh, we're deploy on Arbitrum. We're deploying a Frax lend where you can put down Arb, mm-hmm. um, and take a loan out, you know, in Frax. Um, like I built probably 80% of that Oracle and then handed it off, uh, to Drake, um, for like finishing touches and, uh, deployment, um, I'm also now just picking, so we're also starting to work on another Oracle that's um, for FraxEth and sFraxEth um, versus Ether. Uh, we want to use that internally. Um, and then also other protocols want to use it to like list uh, FraxEth and sFraxEth as collateral and various other things. So I'm working on that um, in tandem with, you know, wrapping up the Frax governance stuff. And then I'm going to be working on the BAM. Uh, bam! All, all that stuff. Oh, so, yeah. uh, they're putting you on the bam. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are, are, are there like a, a favorite project that the team is all kind of like vying to work on together? Because obviously sure you can't have all bam. eight guys working on I one mean, thing. Yeah, I think it's bam too, but I want to hear. Like we're pretty, we're pretty cro- like like half the team is like super cross functional, right? Like um, I think Sam and Dennis are very like mechanism designy, and then Dennis will write some code. 
Um, and then me and Drake and Travis are like, especially like, Hey, we're engineers, like, but we're going to weigh in on stuff. Um, so it kind of like cu cuts pretty cross-functionally. Like most of the team works on most I things see. in some way, like the front end, thank God, the front end for FraxGov is being built, um, by Justin. So it's kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a team effort across the board. With BAM, have you started doing research into that? Uh, just a little bit. Uh, just the stuff that we've kind of talked about, uh, really high-level stuff on, like, some of the calls. Like, I don't really have any alpha. You probably know uh, about I'm just, as much of it as I do. We're, we're having on the founder of Infinity Pools uh, the week after oh, nice. this interview. So, like, I'd love to, like, get your, like, take on it because I'm trying to wrap my head around these Infinity Pools because it's, like, it's not exactly a perp. It's not exactly an option. It's somewhere in the middle, and there's no oracles. There's infinite leverage. Uh, it can be for any. It sounds like too good to be true. I but... mean, <laughs> I, I I read the white paper back when it came out, so like I'm pretty rusty on it, but it, it checks out. Um, it checks out. The reason the reason that it can't be liquidated is because um, the LP tokens collateral. Yeah, exactly. LP, yeah. So if either goes up or down, the position is now same value <laughs> like the same value or uh, it's like a, it's less one less weird expensive. trick it's exactly <laughs> exactly it's one weird it's trick. A, it's a weird math trick yeah the infinite leverage is a little bit of an exaggeration i think practically it's up to like a thousand times a thousand x um, oh only a thousand x yeah only a thousand um but yeah like they're they're really smart guys uh they're a good team i've talked to them a little bit yeah Okay. okay. I, I'm starting to wrap my head. Around. I've been doing my research. I've been like, like watching interviews of this, like reading reports on this, like all week. I'm just trying to like wrap my head around it. And it's like, it's cool because it's a DeFi native solution, you know, that could be the true Uniswap moment of uh, derivatives. Cause we always hear about like, Oh, this is a Uniswap moment. This is, no, this is a Uniswap moment. But like, no, like something, something like this without Oracles is a Uniswap moment. Especially with like things like with a uh, Dan Elzer just came out with the thread and did an interview with Banklets like DeFi is broken because it's um, you know over reliant on certain dependencies, one of them being oracles. So, oh yeah, I read that thread. Yeah, it was a good thread. Can you mean, read that thread? I didn't get a chance to get, but I think yeah, I think minimizing it. I think minimizing oracles is great. Um, the reason I'm get I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm guessing the reason that Infinity Pools doesn't need oracles is because. Um, they're essentially like running Uniswap v3 under the hood. So mm -hmm. like they Uniswap v3 has an Oracle built in. Um, and you, you would imagine that uh, since it's just a, an AMM, right? Like any price that's horribly wrong is going to get ARBed. So like you kind of have this um, like economic guarantee that your price is going to be pretty close all the time. Yeah. Cause it's like, you have, well, I'd like to call like a, uh... You know, arbitrage is just incentivized oracles. Yeah, more or less. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> it's the right oracle system. You have the you pay the arbitragers; they're economically aligned with you to like keep the price. That's honestly probably one of my favorite things about crypto, just how it's like changed my thinking in some ways. It's like, hey, if you want people to do something, just go incentivize them. And like when you start thinking about the world in that way, like it kind of clears up a lot of mm -hmm. like stuff that makes no sense and is misaligned. Yeah, I think like what people in crypto, because like I've heard the statement, yeah, it's like computer nerds discover right. finance, but I feel like <laughs> it's so yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, but like it's like sometimes they like fail to discover like the important finance economic assumptions part of it. And 
a clear example of that is with these LSDs. People are just like complain, like it's kind of like old man yells at cloud, or like like when it comes to like Lido, it's like yeah, they have seventy five percent, but like you just saying like oh like decentralized out of principle, well that's not enough to motivate like the yeah, you need to incentivize them yeah, to go the rational do something else, yeah, which is what we're trying to do with Fraxeth yeah. and Sfraxeth, yeah. Um, can you go into like your thoughts about like Sfraxeth and Fraxeth more, like put in like your own words and like, kind of like what's the case for like using Sfraxeth? Yeah. I mean, I think it's brilliant. Like when I found, like when I found out about it, I was like, holy shit, why isn't everybody doing this? Um, But yeah, so the, the interesting thing that it does, it's the two token model, right? You have uh, the stable coin, which is Fraxeth, um, uh, which doesn't really have any comparable tokens uh, in the market right now. And then you have um, Sigfraxeth, which is kind of similar to Rapsteeth or Reth, um, in that you know the yield, it just kind of goes up in price, but the, the unit that you have doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that's interesting is because when you put Ether into the Fraxeth ecosystem, uh, you turn it into Fraxeth. And then there are multiple things you can do with it. One of the things you can do with it is you can go turn it into staked Fraxeth and you get a yield. Or you can go LP in a pool. In the future, you'll be able to use it as gas on Frax chain. Um, there's all this utility. There's all this utility that's being built um, for Fraxeth. And the reason that that's cool is because all of the ETH that backs Fraxeth goes to validators. So if you're holding Fraxeth and it's, you know, not Sfraxeth, the yield that you would be getting goes to stake Fraxeth. So that's why we can have a better um, APR. It's so simple. It's, it's very so simple. Bright. It's very simple. Um, and it's very DeFi. Um, yeah. And I saw in the chat today, uh, they compared like Fraxeth to Sfraxeth, a checking account to a savings account. And so yeah. you're just holding like Fraxeth, that's just like you're checking. That's what you're just like using to pay the bills or paying for ship, this and that. And Sfraxeth, it's like, oh, that's what you have in, in savings. And, you know, mirroring, you're just like rebuilding, well, not rebuilding, but like in, emulating like what a bank would look like, but like in a more, but on chain in a decentralized fashion. Yeah, like the, the one of the, like I love uh, Fraxeth and I love liquid staking derivatives in general, like, when people kind of ask me what Frax does, like who are kind of maybe not into crypto or kind of not really sh- don't know anything about DeFi, like one of the first things I'll say is I'll usually say, yeah, we're trying to be the Federal Reserve of Ethereum. Yeah, basically. the fe- Yeah, the central bank of, well, we, we say that for like Frax, you know, Frax trying to be like the central bank of, you know, dollar peg stable coins, but like, yeah, central bank of Ethereum, like completely makes sense. And like that is still like remains to be seen. Like there's so much ETH left to be staked. Like it's not over yet. Yeah. And uh, there's, yeah, there's so many interesting things. Like all this, all these people are now, uh, you know, LSD Fi, all these people are building stuff on top of the liquid staking derivatives. And, you know, I think a lot of, I think like plain ether as collateral is going to be kind of a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a lot, like it's just interesting all these uh, changes that happened. Yeah. I think it's, I feel like it's incremental. And then, you know, two years later, people start paying attention and then it feels like it's all at once, but it was actually brewing yeah. the entire time. What's something you think that people aren't paying attention to now, but will be like a thing in a year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's why we're here. 
I've been so, dude, I've been so heads down the last couple of months on like, <laughs> like when I was first getting into crypto, like I was had much more of like a VC mindset. Um, mm -hmm. And now I have such like a builder mindset. Um, yeah. I think uh, like, I'm, I'm generally bullish on app, app chains, uh, especially for gaming. Um, I've, I've written articles about this in the past. Um, the TLDR is that it's a much better developer experience to kind of have your own chain um, to build games on top of. And I think like Avalanche gets that. I think the guys at Argus Labs get that. Uh, they're kind of building like rollups on top of Ethereum that are um, meant for gaming. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, other than that, I don't, I don't have a ton to say. <laughs> mm. It seems, oh, it seems like we we have lost. Oh, he's back online. I was just saying that I think. Uh, I think the best use case, I actually think DeFi is not a great use case for app chains because no. composability is good. Um, but for uh, like gaming, 99% of the stuff you're going to be doing is going to be on that chain. Um, and I think it's a better developer experience. I think it's more performant. Um, that's the only kind of like big picture like thing that I think is pretty obvious that a lot of people are going to miss. Um, but yeah, that's really all the future pontificating that I have uh, off the cuff. Yeah, so I had a, before we wrap up this interview, I had a question about delegation. Um, what is the, pro let's say like Flyway wants to be a delegate. What is the process of like us, like, you know, being like, hey, like we're, we can delegate to, to us. What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, uh, right now it's just going to be go convince people to call the delegate function on the, uh, <laughs> call, call on, the proper, on the on the proper contract with your address. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, if I'm sure Frax will retweet that and, uh, yeah. uh we're, we're probably, we're gonna, we're probably gonna build that into the UI. I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, but nice. uh, we're also in the UI, we're also like listing who some of the bigger delegates are. So, um, mm. if you get to the top early, it might be, it might be easier to stay there. <laughs> yeah. And sh sh so we gotta like have the flywheel multi-sig whitelisted for VEFXS. Uh, no, you don't. So actually, oh, don't. Um, yeah. So uh, another technical detail, we wrote this, this contract um, called the VEFXS voting delegation, which I haven't really talked about because it's mm -hmm. really not that important. But basically what it does is it fetches your state from the VEFXS contract, it stores it, um, and then it determines what your voting weight is. Um, and that's also where delegations happen. And there's no limits on who you can delegate to. Um, so you could delegate to a smart contract if you wanted to without any approvals. Got it. So this, okay. So this allows for like, you know, us a flywheel, we might not be like whitelisted. Like, you uh, you don't need, cause you don't need to be interesting mm -hmm. for voting. So, Kate, you don't need to be Kate. You hear that? Oh, I'm excited. The flywheel party. Oh, yeah. Ooh, the, I like that. Uh, one last question. Do we, do we have a roadmap or timeline of when Frax Club will come out? Um, so we wrapped up the audit last week. Um, I'm doing audit fixes right now. They're pretty much done. Um, ideally, we're going to try to get our audit firm to do fixes review next week, but mm -hmm. I can't promise when they're going to actually do it. Um, and then after that, it's basically, hey, let's roll this out to the first multi-sig that we're going to experiment with. Wow. We're so close. Wow. So like with maybe like, you know, audits and reviews permitting, maybe like a month. Pessimistically, I would say a month. <laughs>
optimistically two, three months. <laughs> no, optimistically <laughs> two or three <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So thank you for this interview. And usually uh, at the end of these things, we'll, we like to wrap up by doing a uh, rapid fire round where we uh, ask questions that are, you know, more touch grass crush questions. So Kit, go ahead. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll, I'll kick it off here. Uh, John, what was your uh, virgin crypto experience? When did you first touch the blockchain? I know you said you started mining it in 2012, but what was like the first the first thing you did? I think that was it. Bitcoin? I think it was joining a mining pool in 2012. Okay, so second question. What is your favorite off-chain touch grass activity? Basketball. Hobbies and interests. Basketball. We got a baller in here. <laughs> I'm yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, what's some advice you would give to your younger self? Um, it's a great question. Um, don't be afraid to screw up. Don't be afraid to try new things and don't give a shit what anybody thinks whatsoever. Um, and don't give a shit what the establishment Hell yeah. about at all. Wow. Okay. Strong. Um, last question for me is uh, yeah. if, for, for me last, last, <laughs> if you weren't, um, in tech, and you know that includes finance, obviously crypto and gaming. What would your professional career path be? Probably music. Specifically? I mean, I grew up like singing and playing a ton of instruments and like doing a ton of uh, musical theater. So I probably want to be in like a progressive rock band or something like that. You remind me of my friend Nate, who also, who, um, also is a baller and who also uh, loves music. <laughs> Similar archetypes. Um, Shout out, Nate. <laughs> uh, my last question is, who would you recommend come on Flywheel next as a guest? Oh, that's a good question. I, I honestly don't know who you guys have had before. Um, Just anybody. Anybody, anybody could be like... Let's bring him back. But uh, I, like, I don't really know him that well, but uh, I think uh, Scott from Argus Labs, the founder, uh, if you guys hmm. want to do like a gaming episode, he's probably Ooh. like one of the most knowledgeable crypto gaming people out there. Um, he'd be a great guest. This is my favorite question. I'm so happy we included it. And yeah. <laughs> if you think like, oh, this guy, we should pay attention. Yeah. Uh, but John, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've been Frax GovPilled. Uh, we hope this sparks a renaissance in on-chain governance for DeFi and beyond. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Hope to see you soon. Of course, guys. Thank you, John. Welcome to the Flywheel Post Game, everyone. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here with Capital K. We just got done with the Fraxcuff episode, and I learned a lot. I'm not sure about you, kid, and I think you learned a lot, too. Uh, I sure did. What did you learn in this episode? I learned that a lot of users are like I am, and they don't really care about governance, even though we put on this decentralized Kabuki theater. theater. Uh, it's... Yeah, and then when uh, John actually just said it straight up, like, nobody cares. Like, we're literally on the bleeding edge, and it's not really that bleeding or on the edge. <laughs> so that made me recognize that, like, shit, like, you know, when DeFi, yeah. we really care. We got to put our money where our mouth is. Honest, yeah, like, I felt like there, there was a duty for us to do this interview to cover FraxCub because, you know, we're Flywheel with the Frax podcast. Correct. And so, but, like, going into the interview, I'm like, 
how much can we talk about governance? It's not like, you know, it's not like a Fraxland or Fraxeath where you could like, you know, get people's imaginations. Go. It's like, a, it's Frax, you know, governance is like something you, you have to do. And uh, it's like, and, but it's still like super, super important, but it's not the sexiest thing. But like, honestly, the way that he was describing it, when you get into like, when you do end up talking about the edge cases and like, like governance doesn't happen, doesn't matter until it like really matters. So when you do start, start talking about the edge cases and like the worst case scenarios, like then it gets interesting. And I felt like as the episode was going on, that's when I said, kept on like getting into it more and more when I was like, wait, when he's go down the floor, so I'm like, wait, like what if like this happens or that happens in Omega and Alpha? And so like, I thought this was like a really fascinating interview in that, um, in that regard. And at the end of the day, what FraxGov does is bring final power to VEFXS holders. If VEFX holders want to say, fuck it, drain the treasury, they can do that. Like the it's like basically the the protocol, like the core team passing the torch to the community. Like frankly, this is like a really big growing up stage for the community. You yeah, know what I mean? Dude, dude, this is a massive, massive change. Like like arguably this this is one of the largest product releases because it changes all the products you know like now this is like yeah. this this layer that touches every single one of the product and i i'm very excited to see how they roll it out because i remember uh at the end um maybe this was off camera but he said they're gonna start with like just just one uh msig and then kind of see where where that grows so i i love how frax takes a very um slow and steady approach but mm -hmm. but also you know move fast and don't break things approach, you know, yeah. <laughs> as he so eloquently said, move fast and don't break things the frax way. Cause you can't, um, yeah. And what is, um, what, what else I'm trying to think? Oh, dude. The one thing I felt as we went through this pod, it was like, the more we talked about governance, I felt like this is definitely a start of a new governance primitive and how it's already oh, open yeah. sourced and ready for the people to kind of take and run with it. I think that's going to be such a, a we're going to see this implemented across like all yeah. of DeFi, right? Because remember, it started with like on-chain is no good. And then everybody went to multi-sigs and then a ton of multi-sigs. And then now that's also no good. And now this is the next natural evolution to having this like on-chain multi-sig mm -hmm. oversight balance bit. And I found it the inter interesting how they constructed it, where it basically plugs into gnosis safes it makes them decentralized it's like hey like first they had governor contracts and people are like we don't want that then they had safes it's like that's not decentralized enough so now i kind of view this as like a combination of two where they you know plug in the governor alpha the governor contracts of open zeppelin into uh the multi-sigs and um you know this is how things are built just like iterated over time yeah. but which made me think about it is like we iterated so much on the DeFi like actual tech tech scent uh, aside but on the governance this is not it wasn't like rocket science it was like we had a we have b just put them together yeah and yet no, like no one has done it and frax is like the first one to do it so it's yeah, like, like and like all the contracts were already like pre-made like 70 percent yeah, of yeah, yeah, omega 90 yeah. percent, and so it's just a matter of like mix matching them together so yeah so you know you know hopefully like two to three months from now you know this is released on the first Multi-sig, we see it out in the wild. And uh, yeah, it's Frax again at the bleeding edge of on-chain development, both DeFi yeah, and, and governance and beyond. Yeah, re remember like Frax is always kind of like always 
early on on most things, right? We were, you know, first yeah. stablecoin with FraxSwap, then FraxLand, then everybody kind of has that. So I think this is going to be natural progression as well, too. Yeah, I, I agree. And if you want to keep up with all the progression of Frax and Flywheel, make sure you hit that bell button and subscribe to us on YouTube. Give us a like, leave us a comment. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Join the conversation on Telegram, both at FlywheelDefi. You can follow me on tele- on. Twitter at DeFiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And also, you can soon delegate to the Flywheel Party. And we Flywheel will, be, party. The, Flywheel we will party. be the steward, the, a very shrewd steward of your trusted delegation. Yes, sir. Thank you for watching and listening to every, everyone. And we'll see you next week. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and is not an investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.